This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media. And I'm so excited to introduce to our listeners and audience today a lady who I think we should all be following because she's transforming the world for so many people. This is Jane Hatton. And we were actually introduced through my Recruitment Shining Stars show with Ian Nolson. You were a guest in our very early days in 2020. And that episode has resonated with me ever since. And I'm so, so proud that you're on our show today. Welcome to you today, Jane. How are you? Thank you, Lichette. Yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. I'm very, a bit warm, but I'm very, very well. Thank you. And absolutely delighted to be here. Good. Well, we're not going to complain about the fact that we're warm because obviously it's oh, nice no. that we're in that position. It's very nice. I was going to say I'm, I look like I'm dressed for winter, but it's just because it's very cool in my house. Well, for those who are not yet familiar with who you are, and they certainly will be when they've listened to this episode, would you like to explain about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So um, I think my claim to fame is that I um, founded a social enterprise 10 years ago this month. It's our birthday this month. Happy birthday. Um, which is, uh, thank you which is all about employing disabled people. So we have kind of um, three different um, elements to what we do. The core of it is a specialist job board. So it's where inclusive employers can find talented disabled candidates. And similarly, those candidates can find those organizations that are truly inclusive. And then either side of that, we help employers to become more inclusive and accessible. And very, very recently, we've had a, a new service which actually helps disabled candidates who are looking for work to navigate around some of the barriers that, that come across them. But I think, um, you know, my guiding values are all about lived experience. So everybody at Even Break, uh, we're all disabled ourselves and we're very diverse in lots of other ways, you know, ethnicity and gender and personality and all the rest of it. Um, but for me, it's about um, learning from lived experience and, and those values and also um, which I can talk about in a moment if you want me to, the social model of disability, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with disabled people. We tend to talk about fixing disabled people, but most of us can't be fixed and many of us don't want to be fixed because that means we're not acceptable as we are and actually we are acceptable as we are. Um, so the social model really looks at the barriers that are there in place um, to stop disabled people participating in employment or in any other part of life, really. So what we're about is learning from lived experience and removing disabling barriers, particularly from the recruitment process. Oh God, it's absolutely, uh, you know, it's wonderful. And, I, and I'm really pleased that that's your starting point, actually, because I just think from a, a general point of view, we all put barriers in place, whether we're recruiting accountants, whether we're recruiting recruiters, which is what I do. Um, and that's a mindset that I've always looked to shift. I think that it's it's something that we're all very mindful of doing. And I think and the reason I wanted to get you on, I think, you know, during the 2021 is, you know, the world rebuilds and we look at, you know, the fact that most, most markets are talent short, you know, Brexit's had a massive impact in sort of blue collar yeah. recruitment and then white collar recruitment's always going to be talent short, is that we need to remove barriers and we need to think inclusively, but not just having it as a badge exercise that, you know, we are a diverse employer. Well, actually, what does that mean? And it's, it's all the things that you've talked about there. So you've been doing this, like you say, happy birthday, June 2021. Do you say you're 10? 10 or 20? 10, yeah. 10 years old. we started, yeah. I hope you're going to celebrate in some way, hopefully. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Well, we'll make sure we're sharing all that on social media. So, yeah, I mean, you've, you've definitely contextualised it. So in terms of your own personal experience then, obviously, you, I, I love the fact that you're, 
sort of the, the, the sort of the living breathing example of of what it truly means to understand what it means to be a disabled person so your your story and I don't know how much you're happy to share but you're you, you weren't always disabled were you no I mean it's one of those kind of ironic uh, stories really so I've always been interested in equality apparently since I was about eight wow my mother took me um it's been something that you know that phase that we go through where you say it's not fair I kind of never really grew beyond that stage <laughs> and so fairness has always been really important to me and I worked in um, a variety of different um, sectors until I came into the kind of uh, diversity and inclusion sector and um, and when I came into diversity and inclusion for me it was very much about race and about gender um, I didn't really think very much about disability and I think that's actually still the case a lot even today when we talk about diversity the focus yeah. isn't on disability it's on other characteristics um, and so I did a lot of work um, on diversity and inclusion or equal opportunities as we called it back then I'm very old we're going back to the 80s and 90s um, and then um, so I talked about disability to employers and they would talk about you know why would we want to employ disabled people you know we want good people um, and then disabled people would say to me, but we are good. And it's just that we're not, you know, and all the rest of it. And then, uh, and, you know, it was something I felt quite strongly about, but didn't have lived experience of. My mother was very severely disabled, but she was retired. So disability and employment was not something I'd had lived experience of, although I'd spoken to a lot of disabled people in and out of work. And then I became disabled. So I'm one of the 87% or 83%, whatever it is, of disabled people who become disabled as adults. So I was 44, I developed a spinal condition, um, which, um, long story short, I've had a number of spinal surgeries in my neck and my lower spine, um, and I've been left disabled. And um, so it's interesting, I am now one of those people I used to talk about. And, uh, and I do learn that living through an experience is very different from, you know, pontificating it about it yeah. when you haven't been in that, in, that, in that setting. So then that whole thing of um, employers not wanting to employ disabled people, disabled people having so many talents but not having the opportunity to use them, suddenly became much more up close and personal. And so rather than thinking, oh, somebody ought to do something about that, it kind of, oh, nobody's doing anything about that, maybe I should. And so that's really where Even Break was born. And, um, and funnily enough, the premise on which it was born has been validated again more recently. We did some research a couple of years ago. Well, we had a university to do some research on our behalf, um, asking disabled people what the biggest barriers were that they found when they were looking for work. And by far the biggest barrier was we don't know which employers we can trust. You know, every employer says, we are an equal opportunities employer. Yeah. But actually disabled people know that most aren't when it comes to disability. So why would you keep knocking your head against the same brick wall time after time when as soon as an employer or a recruiter finds out that you're disabled, you're immediately rejected. Um, you, exactly. And so you need to know which employers are genuinely serious about this. And of course, having a job board demonstrates that. So if an employer is paying specifically to target disabled people yeah. to attract their talent, that's a really powerful message that says, you know, we're not just saying this, we really mean this. 
Mm. Um, and that's really why Even Break was born. But it was kind of driven by my lived experience and the frustration that disability wasn't really getting a look in when it came to diversity and inclusion or recruitment and employment. Mm. And of course, it, you know, you could say able-bodied people, we have things that we're probably not capable of doing. A disabled person still has and then umpteen skill sets and experiences that they can bring to an employer. And even just as I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking it's actually quite bonkers that anyone would be disregarded because of a disability. Yeah, I mean, unless it's related to the job they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, so all of the Even Break team are um, disabled. There are 17 of us now, so we're still small. But within that 17, we have a whole range of different impairments from mental health to neurodiversity to sensory impairment you know and um you know and what we know is that a blind person isn't going to apply for a job as a taxi driver it's not <laughs> going to happen they're not going to apply for it in the same way that i wouldn't apply for a job as a russian translator because i don't speak russian absolutely but i shouldn't be discriminated from other jobs that don't need me to be a russian speaker because i don't speak russian any more than a blind person should be discriminated against doing a job that doesn't require sight yeah you know it, it as you say it's bonkers you know what we should be doing is recruiting people for the skills that they have which are relevant for the job they're applying for yeah and I think I think the reason that this has become such a huge huge education area for recruitment um people particularly which obviously is our audience on the recruited recruitment podcast is that every market is talent short now and so we all have to think much more creatively we have to think about the bigger picture of if we're looking at advising our clients and obviously my clients and you listening at your recruitment business you're educating your customers we're going to have to think much more creatively and actually it's almost irrelevant of what somebody's physical or mental capabilities are if they have the skills that you're looking for you know we look at neurodiversity you know these are these are things that we would never have been talking about sort of five ten years ago but the world has definitely, I think, shifted in a, in a in a very positive way. And it is, and it is down to you know job boards like yours and, and people like you that, that's educating. So, it, bearing in mind our audience, which is recruiters, what can they do to ensure their customers, i.e., you know, hiring employers, are being in, truly inclusive during a recruitment process? We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies. And we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to 
basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business, or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there, and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas, and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So, I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this program. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I mean, there's so many things and we could talk about this forever, couldn't we? But I think um, the most important thing is to change the narrative around disability. I have spoken to so many recruiters that make assumptions about what disabled people can and can't do. And the assumption often is that disabled people will be looking for low um, status jobs, jobs that don't require qualifications, jobs that don't require uh, work experience, you know, very, very entry level jobs. And and there will be disabled people who are looking for that kind of job, like there are non-disabled people. Absolutely. But, but actually, certainly at Evenbreak, what we find is, and, and I think the things that, the thing, the main thing that drives us to continue doing what we're doing is the absolute waste of talent that there is out there. So if I tell you that of our um, candidates, between 60 and 70% have at least one degree, um, which is way over and above way the general over. population. Um, you know, I don't know what the general population is, but, it, you know, and, and many of our, our candidates are people with, you know, PhDs in the most obscure subjects that I have no idea about. I can't even understand the title, let alone what their skill sets are, but they, they aren't working because of something that's completely irrelevant. So, for example, I'm thinking of individual candidates that we have, someone who is, who knows more about data science than probably anybody else on the planet, you know, who has um, lectured people at Harvard University about groundbreaking big data stuff, doesn't have a job because he lives in Cornwall and has cerebral palsy. Mm. What either of those have to do with the immense value he could bring to a company that needs data science? And, and so it's that kind of, it's changing the whole narrative so that recruiters don't think, oh, we're recruiting for a logistics warehouse that needs someone to unpack boxes in the warehouse. Yes, attract disabled talent to do that, mm. but don't assume that that's the only job that's suitable for disabled people, no. because it's you know disabled people have the same diversity of um, interests and qualities and um, talents and qualifications as the rest of the population, plus some more. So. Um, I mentioned the social model of disability, which means that every disabled person, by definition, um, faces barriers to the workplace Mm. that other candidates don't. And what that means is that we develop additional skills. So we develop creativity, we develop problem solving, we develop project management skills, which are really useful to employers. So 
when we talk to recruiters about disabled candidates, we're not saying this is a pity hire, no. give these poor people an opportunity. Yeah. What we're saying is these are premium candidates who have the same diversity of qualities as all of your other candidates, plus a few more. So we're talking about premium candidates. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first one. And then I think the second one, once we've got that mindset about this is about talent, not pity, is then about making sure that any of those barriers that might exist in the recruitment process are either reduced or eliminated mm. or something else is put in place. You know, so if it's all online, are there alternatives? Um, or if you're just relying on CVs, that's a bit old fashioned these days, should we be looking at potential rather than privilege? Because that's really all, all a CV tells you. So I think it's about looking at the recruitment process from the very start from the identification of a vacancy and um, the job design, you know, does it have to be done nine to five Monday to Friday in an office or can it be done part time? Can it be done remotely? Yeah. Can it be done using different skills? Can yeah. it be done part time? All of those things right through to onboarding and everything in between to make sure that we remove any potential barriers so that we don't exclude this amazing talent that's out there. Absolutely. And actually, that leads on very nicely to something that we obviously have, have talked about off camera, which is how the, the world has now shifted and changed. And we're now most people in most jobs have some element of hybrid. Um, how has the sort of new way of working, so hybrid, you know, the fact that we all use technology, we're doing this now through Zoom. How has that impacted the disabled community, both from a positive and potentially negative point of view that recruiters need to consider? It's, it is definitely a mixed blessing. I mean, I think it's a blessing more than anything else. And I mean, you know, the, the pandemic has been horrific, but I do think that there are some silver linings and, you know, we have to grasp any silver lining we can find with a disaster like COVID. Um, but what it has proved beyond any doubt is that many, many jobs can be done as effectively from home if not more so. And I think, you know, a lot of the fears that employers had about people working from home, which was they'll be skiving. If we can't see what they're doing, they'll be watching daytime telly, they'll be on the golf course. Yeah. Actually, the, the concerns are the opposite. The concerns are we need to make sure that people are taking proper breaks, that Absolutely. they do stop working. They don't, you know, because that, bl that, uh, that um, boundary blurred, isn't it, between work and home, that people don't just keep working because there hasn't been that commute that breaks the, yeah. the cycle um so it's been it's been good in that it does mean that you know the data scientist i just mentioned and many people like him will be able to do work from home which means they don't have to relocate um, they don't have to navigate inaccessible transport or inaccessible buildings so it opens up the workplace for a lot more people and it opens up for employers and recruiters a lot more talent mm. danger is that we think oh this is good so now all the non-disabled people can work in the office and all the disabled people can work from home yeah. because actually we know don't we through the pandemic that lots of non-disabled people have said hey, i quite like this i quite yeah. like this to do a two-hour commute every day and uh you know and, and spending more time with family or whatever it might be i'd actually not want to go back to five days a week in the office. I'd like this hybrid arrangement. And there are lots of disabled people who say, actually, I really miss being in the office and all of that social contact. Yeah. So for me, the hybrid model 
should open up opportunities for everybody, not just around disability, but, you know, people with caring responsibilities or children yeah. or people who are doing, you know, outside training, whether it's open university degrees or whatever, or people who have hobbies that, that you know, might impact on their time. So actually offering a more flexible way of working, whether it's from home or remotely or a hybrid or flexible hours. So it doesn't have to be 40 hours, nine to five. It can be done at different times of the day. Um, that actually opens up the talent pool to so much more talent than, than has ever been available before. And also makes existing and potential people far more productive because they're working under the conditions that work well for them so I think we should be embracing the new way of working which is about you know there's much more than one way of working it isn't all about 40 hours a week nine to five Monday to Friday in a location we should be embracing that for everybody and making sure that the lessons we've learned around accessibility um, you know are are embedded in the new way of working it's ironic because of course disabled people have been saying for decades can I do this job from home no can't be done, can't be done. Not, possible. And it can. not possibly done and yet now oh yeah actually it can be done and maybe sometimes it's better doing it that way yeah definitely it's funny isn't it I mean you talk about effectively positive discrimination you know why 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 hasn't it been something that you've had you know as an inclusive mindset and policy and like you say yeah. it's taken a pandemic for the sort of broader world to see that actually a lot of roles can be done with whether it's hybrid flexible there's so many different like you said there's so many ways to skin a cat so yeah, I think absolutely. it's hugely advantageous for everybody but I think just thinking about some of the points you picked up on there which is you know we are in talent short markets this is the biggest headache anyone's going to face in recruitment for the next decade there's not enough talent coming through so you yeah. have to broaden out your horizons and and you you, you're hiring somebody that has the skills and you you embrace what that person brings, you know, regardless, but to actually have a, a positive and proactive approach to hiring people with disabilities that you will then have a cascade effect. You know, people well, will then be attracted to you. Yeah, and I question that the skill shortage a little bit because I think the skills are out there. It's just that we're not finding and attracting them. So, you know, I hear on the one hand, employers saying, well, we need people to, you know, AI is a big thing now and you know new emerging technology and we haven't got the talent we have got the talent we're just not accessing just it not accessing it wow well there you go you've heard it here first I and I agree with you I think it's about finding the hidden talent pools then let's change it that way so I mean everything that you've said I mean like you say you're you're so refreshing you're clearly somebody you know you are an expert you were an expert before you went through your own personal lived experience of it and you are clearly transforming the lives of you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people every year. So if we were to all take something away today, what can each individual listener do today to raise up somebody that has got a disability to ensure that they fulfill their potential, which ultimately is what we're here to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the, the most important thing is, um, you know, a lot of recruiters will assume if someone wants the job, they'll apply for it. Actually, because people have had a, a whole history of discrimination, you can't just say, here's a job, apply for it if you want it. You have to work harder to attract people who traditionally probably haven't even bothered applying for that job because they know they haven't got a, a hope anyway. Um, and actually, this is for me a competitive advantage. So if as a recruiter, what you are doing is making explicit 
to all candidates, we are inclusive, we want to see your talent, regardless of whether you're disabled or not, or what colour your skin is, or anything. Really work hard to get that message out there. We are interested in your talent. Um, you know, so you might want to use specialist job boards, you might want to use um, very inclusive language in your adverts. So you're talking about, you know, we want all of our candidates to shine in this process. Tell us what you need us to do so that you can. Then people will think, oh, people like me, they are interested in, you know, use things like case studies. So, um, you know, uh, disabled people working within an organization who are thriving, you know, tell those stories, use um, uh, recruiters who are disabled to say, look, you know, at this recruitment agency, we get it. We get that talent comes in all shapes and sizes and we want you to come to our agency. And I do believe that the recruiters who aren't doing that are really going to get left behind very, very quickly because I think the world has changed. Yeah, I and I do think that employers are now demanding of recruitment partners mm. that those recruitment partners give them diverse candidates. It's not just the same old faces, the same old names, that they are going to different markets, to different demographics and bringing talent that, that they need that might look different from the talent they've had before and if you can't do that as an agency you might struggle to survive in the new world definitely well i think that i think there's not going to be one person listening to this that isn't going to stop and think about what you just said and make sure they do that today and if everybody does it once a day and just stops and thinks what am i doing today to really raise people up who you know where we can all be more inclusive i think it's just uh I'd be very shocked, but you know, that's all been really insightful. And I think what you do is absolutely remarkable. And thank you for all the work that you do in the broader community as well, Jane, you are an, 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 a really inspiring leader yourself. And uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much indeed. Wonderful.